and Flame, another great record. Um, <laughs> man, you just uh, kept them rolling. <laughs> yeah. But but you changed. Uh, why why, why uh, did you go to – you went to United Artists from Blue Note at some point, right? Well, from United Artists to Capitol Records. Okay. Capital, yeah, and then from Capitol uh, – I left Capitol and, and signed on with Columbia. You know, that was a little short stint, you know, there, but <clears> – <throat> Yeah, uh, Capital and United Artists. That, that, that I've always felt that that was my home, you know. But uh, George Butler went over to Columbia, and he, I guess he thought he would have the same, you know, success with me as he, as we had at Blue Note. But uh, it's just the elements weren't right. The chemistry didn't work out for me, for me personally, you know. But uh, you know, you keep things going, you keep moving forward. That's then that's what you do, you know. Did you ever feel like the labels were trying to constrict you too much or direct you too much in one direction and maybe you wanted yeah, to do something yeah, else? Yeah, my latter days at Capitol, that they they did try to to uh, direct me in that way. You know, and that 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 sort of was the beginning of my departure because I'm you know, I the one thing that I you know that I I pride myself on is is you know is having integrity in the music that I do. You know, not to just to necessarily sell records, but you know, I mean, I, that, that's that's a part of the business, and you know, and that's what keeps you keeps you uh, take care of your bills, you know. But uh, the music has always been, you know, I've, I've always prided myself on in maintaining uh, 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 integrity, and in, in, you know, in what I write and in, in what I perform. You know, there's no pretension. You know, what you see is real, and you know, that's that's the way it has to be with me. You know, when I'm on stage. You know, it's, it's serious business, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What would you say is the Ronnie Law's signature in terms of your, your sound? I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, <clears throat> it's hard for me to express. You know, I mean, I you know, it's been said to me that, you know, uh, that the sound that I have, that I project on my horn is, is, is sort of emulates my voice, you know, my singing voice. And I've noted with, uh, you know, with, with players who have a unique signature sound, uh, and, and there's a little, uh, uh, a little voice inside that, that lets you know that they can also sing as, as opposed to just, you know, playing, you know, an instrument. So when I play, I'm actually singing through my, my horn. I'm actually yeah. singing, you know, and maybe that's the, that's what's unique about it. Well, I think that's where the soul comes through, mm -hmm. you know, for I, sure. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've played with, uh, I mean, so many great people. Um, you've played with Patrice Russian and Mickey Howard. And, you know, what was it like collaborating with some of those people? Well, Mickey was brought in to do backgrounds on the Every Generation album. And that's why I was, you know, introduced. Wayne Henderson had something to do with that, and uh, he brought on board. And uh, on every generation, she was one of the background singers on that, you know. And at that time, she was with the group Side Effect with uh, Augie Johnson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's you know, and, and some of the Diane Reeves was uh, on the on the Flame album. <laughs> you know, that was uh, you know, and Philip Bailey. They were all featured on that album, as well as you know Larry Dunn. So uh, you know it's just a whole you know it's just very privileged to, to you know to run in with some you know to have a association with some great artists. 
did you pay much attention to what some of your contemporaries were up to, like Grover or Tom Scott or David Sanborn or any of these cats? Well, we all recognized each other, you know. There's no way around that, you know. So, you know, and we all had, you know, had total respect and, you know, paid homage to one another in that in that regards. So, uh, but there was never any a competitive spirit. Not for my, not for me, you know. Maybe, you know, I, I can't speak for them, but, uh, you know, it was never an issue of being, you know, competitive and, you know, it wasn't that. Uh, you know, and, we, and when we did perform together, there was no intimidation, you know, because we just, we had the respect of, you know, we're, we're all professionals, you know. Uh, my first experience uh, playing with Tom Scott, I was actually, uh, had the when I first came to Los Angeles, uh, one of my first gigs was uh, performing at the Greek Theater. With, uh, uh, it was being featuring uh, Roberta Flack and Quincy Jones. Mm. And my brother, Hubert, uh, was responsible for me getting that gig because uh, one of the sax players could make it. His name was Pete, Pete Chrisley. And uh, <clears throat> so my brother recommended me. But I had known Quincy, <clears throat> excuse me, unknown of him when I was, you know, used to you know, stay with my brother Hubert, um, you know, in New York. I would go on all the sessions. So I met up. I met you know. I you know. I hung around you know him and and uh, Freddie Hubbard. And, um, uh, just you know, and and so Quincy was familiar with me, but he 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 wasn't up to date as to where I was musically, you know. So my brother recommended me, which Quincy knew if he'd done that, you know, my brother wouldn't have recommended me if he didn't think I could do the gig, you know. So the first uh, that first night at the Greek Theater, I was a part of the horn section. It was uh, Ernie Watts, Tom Scott, my brother Hubert, and me. Hmm. That was the sax section, and Jerome Richardson. Wow! <laughs> I was the youngest of the whole group. I was only twenty-one years old. You know, wow. so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a lot of butterflies? <laughs> Yeah, well, I was definitely a little nervous. I mean, you know, you said, you know, you're playing with some heavyweights, you know, you know, and uh, so the, the top people in the, in the business. And so, and, uh, in fact, I was sitting next to my brother and as we were going through the, you know, the charts and everything, he, you know, he's looking at me and, you know, he's trying to read music at the same time, making sure that I was covering it, you know, and he, you know, he would look around and he would start smiling and say, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> yeah, he's very wow. proud, actually, you know. And uh, yeah. in fact, I had a solo, you know, uh, Quincy had me to stand up and do a solo. And uh, and Quincy said, yeah, man. <laughs> no, I'll never forget that. But, uh, but it was, you know, it was it was quite an experience. It really was. That was big time. That was really big time for me. Yeah. You earned your stripes on that one. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, How do you feel about when the whole sort of... Um, smooth jazz and quiet storm kind of rolled in and really sort of changed the, uh, you know, popular jazz landscape in the 1980s. I'm really glad you brought that up because this had a, you know, an, an after, I mean, the, um, uh, an effect on what's going on today, you know, and it's uh, earlier when, it, you know, I mean, I don't know why they attribute the, the, uh, to me, the you know the the the, uh, uh, the referred to me as the you know having to do with the the smooth jazz thing kicking off. That, that you know my music, I've never considered my my music smooth jazz, you know. And uh, but 
you know, the, the artists that that um, that that's had great success with that, uh, the Kenny G's and you know Gerald Albright and Bonnie James, these people, and you know they're good players, great players. And uh, uh, in fact, Kenny G used to open up for me, you know, when I would perform in, in Portland and in Seattle. And um, that's how he got introduced to the, to the music. I mean, I never forget he would sit on the side of the stage as I was performing and taking the, taking everything in, you know. But uh, you know, that, that, you know, he 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 created created his own niche, and uh, and then you have other artists that followed through with that, Dave Cause and and you know those people. And but I think it's had an effect because um, they're looked upon as the face of of of. of uh, you know, of, of jazz now, you know, and artists like myself have been excluded, you know, from, you know, the major festivals. I don't know if you noticed that, but, you know, all the major jazz, all the major festivals, I mean, I, I literally have to call and, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and petition to, to be included on those. And this is not, you know, just, you know, I was just sharing with my son that's, you know, that, um, I, you know, I said, when I do this interview, I really want to be very, upfront about that because it's had an effect, you know, and, um, you know, my fan base, you know, I, I mean, I get, uh, you know, uh, feedback from them as to why, you know, Ronnie, why, why aren't you being featured on these uh, major festivals? You know, I said, it's not because I don't want to, it's because I don't get the call. Mm -hmm. You know, that may be shocking to you, but, you know, I'm just sharing with you that, you know, maybe that need that, that needs to be, uh, publicize oh definitely we need to change yeah. that um, yeah yeah i mean because it's like jazz became more popular in that way yeah it has sort of a cooling effect mm -hmm. on so many artists yeah you know well you know the, i mean i mean um i run into these you know you know some of the you know these artists occasionally and they would always say, man, hey, Ronnie, you started this, man. You know, you know, I said, well, that's great, man. But why, why am I being excluded, you know, from what's going on now, you know? And so that's why I'm bringing this up. It's not bitterness or anything. It's just a, a, a matter of awareness. You know, I have my son here who's who's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, launch his, his solo career. His name is Jamin. And you can say hello. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> oh, you can't see me. How's it going? Yeah. All right, and he's what, a serious. What, what, what does he play? He plays saxophone. He's a very good player. It's very serious, you know. And some of those artists I mentioned, they, I don't think they want to be on the stage with them. <laughs> you know, really. And then being very serious, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's he's up and coming, and you know, he's he's got a project that's going to be released uh, in a couple more months, and I'm you know, very proud of it. You know, and you you. You raised a point because I was going to mention that you, you it seemed like you took some time off, you took a few years away, and then mm -hmm. you sort of you came back. Was that not by choice or were you doing something else or no, it wasn't by choice. It was <laughs> just you know, I mean it, you know, collectively, I mean I, I've been in the business a long time. I know how it works, you know, and it could be a very uh, every every promoter and every manager uh, uh, you know uh, they they have their agenda you know and they they they, they create that you know the environment that they want to create and work with the artists that they want to work with that they feel that they can manage you know and if you don't fit that you know then you're excluded you know so a lot of that was uh 
you know, I mean, I mean, uh, there were there was a period that I did uh, decide to do to do less concerts only because I was interested in raising my family, you know, being a father. So I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I mean, you can't live on the road and do that. Yeah, you may, you know, economically, you know, it's, it's, it's to your advantage, but you, you know, what are you substitute, substitute you know, what are you losing in, in, the, in the process of doing that? So that, that was a deliberate, deliberate decision to uh, to make sure I was, you know, the you know, the dad was in the home, you know, and they could, uh, you know, feel secure about that and have that that bond, that relationship. Mm -hmm. Did did Hubert run into some of that too, uh, in terms of you know, continuing to uh, get the calls? Well, his see, Hubert was, he was he's really considered a straight ahead jazz artist. And a and a and a, 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 a phenomenal classical flyers, you know. I mean, that's and so that circle that he works in, you know, uh, you know, they, you know, that's that's a that's a small elite kind of a you know uh, uh, fraternity, you know. So, but what I do has always been, you know, a little broader, you know, and naturally more people are going to pay attention to that, you know, and. Uh, Artists, you know, that I mentioned earlier, that you know, they gravitated toward that because they saw the the, the commercial success that it that it was bringing, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and so you know, um, you know, competing on that level, you know, you're gonna have you know other elements to to try to extract from that, and and that's that's what I've had to deal with, you know. Well, you know, I had Kevin uh, Tony on the show. And uh, I'll never forget how he mentioned, you know, with some of his records, mm -hmm. when he wanted to uh, move a little away from, you know, the um, the quiet storm kind of stuff, uh, yeah. smooth jazz, and get a little funky, he got pushed back from his label. You know, yeah. they would say, it's uh, too black or it's too gritty, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got that, you know, more so at Capitol, you know, they... Uh, but you know, it just got to the point where you know I said, "Well, that's not me." I mean, I, I, you want me to to put my heart into something that that's not me? I can't do that. You know, I can't pretend that this is what this is what I do. You know, this, uh, this is you know this is what I'm going to give you, and it's not there. You know, so I just had to, you know, maintain my integrity in that regards. You know, and sometimes you pay a price for that. I want to remind viewers and listeners, you know, how active Ronnie Laws maintained. You know, you you put out six albums, I count, during the 90s, right. uh, which is still pretty darn active. Yeah. And I especially really enjoyed that um, Isley Brothers tribute that you did. That was very cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was, uh, that was one of the albums on uh, Columbia that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that I was uh, encouraged to do. And, then I did a tribute to one of my mentors, uh, Eddie Harris, and because uh, at the time he was uh, he was dealing with cancer, you know, and uh, so I got a call from uh, uh, one of the executives at Blue Note. Actually, I called them, and I said, I, you know, I'd like to do a tribute to to him to help out with his medical expenses because uh, the, the the musicians' union here they were putting a fund together to help him with that, you know. And so I decided to, you know, take my own initiative and I called Blue Note and I said, you know, I'd like to do a, a tribute to Eddie. I want him to get all the royalties, everything. I don't want it, you know. 
and that's what I did. And that actually turned out to be a very successful uh, project. And uh, it, it charted very well in, on, the, you know, on the jazz charts. And uh, I'm really proud of that project. I just regret that he wasn't able to, to live to, to actually see the, 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 uh, the finished product. You know, mm -hmm. but we had, you know, we had interacted during his going through that. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of weeks before he actually passed away, he called me and he, and he must have conversed with me for like about an hour and a half. I mean, I, I didn't, I was just listening to his experiences. Like he was sharing with me everything that he, I needed to know, you know, and uh, he had me on the phone for about an hour and a half. And it was, I was, you know, it was just, it was very impactful because I, you know, I could sense that he was like in a sense passing that torch, you know, and he was sharing with me how he actually played with Charlie Parker, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, this, but this guy was a real genius. Eddie Harrison's a phenomenal player. I mean, uh, he, I mean, he was a also played piano, and he really had a comedic side to him. <laughs> He's very, very entertaining in that way too. But yeah, but that, that was another privilege of uh, of doing that, you know, as a tribute to him because uh, he had a, he had a great impact on me growing up. You know, his his first hit was called "Listen Here," and uh, you know, so I did I did a part of his you know his catalog and. And uh, that turned out to be a very successful project. What year was that, Ronnie? And that was in 92. 92. Yeah, 92 or 93. Yeah. Wow. That's... It's called Tribute to the Legendary Eddie Harris. Mm. One of the reasons I thought the Isley thing was so interesting was because um, they didn't have horns for the most part, you know. So right. they brought an element to their catalog, so many great songs. That made it really interesting and different. <clears throat> yeah, in fact, Craig Cooper and G. Cooper and I, we performed on the morning TV show, and we did the cut uh, uh, at your best. Mm -hmm. You can probably uh, Google that. It's um, uh, Channel Five KTLA. Yeah, and Craig was uh, was with me on that on that on that that uh, showing that that show. Have to look for that yeah <laughs> in 2001 you put out a live record i think was that was your first one right what took you so long to do a live record uh live oh you know what my brother did that was on my brother's label yeah that was uh yeah that was on uh, my brother's label and uh that's something that they they decided they wanted to do so they you know they just put the, some of my performances together collectively and and uh, released it. It really wasn't my idea. <laughs> well, it's kind of surprising, though. I mean, you know, you, you do so well live that you hadn't had a live recording yeah. out there, you know? Well, you know what? You, you've given me food for thought. I mean, I'm going to pay more attention to that because uh, that's a whole nother feel right there, you know? And uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at, look at that more closely. Yeah. Ronnie, in, in talking to you, you brought up B.B. King and the thing with Quincy Jones and amazing experiences. Is there any other experience that you remember from either studio or stage where you were with somebody where you were like, you know, I got to pinch myself. Is this real? Or uh, some, some, some unforgettable experience from the road that was maybe funny or tragic or something. What, what pops out to you from all these decades in the business? Well, I think the, the my 
the experience I mentioned earlier, uh, opening up for BB King, that was that was. I mean, growing up, uh, we lived in a, a community, a neighborhood, where literally there was a beer joint, a beer uh, 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 juke joint across the street from where we lived. This is in the south. This is Houston. And the, the, the place is called Miss Mary's Place. And that's what, oops, that's one of the features that I, um, on the Pressure Sensitive album, Miss Mary's Place. Well, that's where you would hear, you know, B.B. King, Muddy Waters, and, and uh, those, those artists, and uh, Jimmy Reed. And so just imagining that one day I would be on the stage with this man opening up for him four nights. And we became pretty good good friends after that experience. I mean, I would occasionally go see him, and and uh, he, would, he would point me out in the audience, and and uh, and uh, and uh, you know and and you know just show how much he appreciated that experience, and and uh, you know I'd hang with him backstage, and so that was to me that that, that was sort of uh, the one experience that you know that that's very special. I don't as far as bad experiences. Uh, I try to forget those. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever not have your equipment show up or have a power out? Hey, you know what? Not you say that. <laughs> I remember I was scheduled to do a performance in Washington, D.C. And uh, we did the sound check. And uh, at, while the sound check was going on, uh, someone robbed the uh, our equipment in, in the in the dressing rooms, and and one of those, I, you know, I had a big case that I would, would have all of my in, you know my, my my instruments, alto, soprano. I would have I had a, you know two of each, and I also had a power flute that uh, alto flute that my brother gave me. Well, after sound check was over, thank thank you. I still have my you know I had my tenor, you know, but when we get back to the uh, to the dressing room, everything was gone. And so it was like an inside thing, the promoter, <laughs> you know, and uh, but it, it turned out to be, it was, that, was, that was pretty devastating because on the way home, well, first, before that, I mean, uh, I had to, I called the radio station and, and you, know, you know, let them know that we couldn't do the concert because I would, you know, I would, equipment, you know, was stolen on the, at the venue. And so uh, my managers had to deal with that and uh, called the radio station and just explained to my fans what had happened. And uh, so on the way home on the, on the plane, man, I literally broke down because I said, you know, I, I just I just couldn't believe that happened. They, they took my, you know, my horns, you know, thankfully I had the tenor with me, <laughs> you know, otherwise that would have been gone, <laughs> you know, but that, you know, that was the, that, that was the one bad experience I do recall. Yes. They never, they never surfaced anywhere. No, I had insurance, you know, they were all, everything was insured. Uh, but as it turned out, um, the manager that was with me, Jeff Sheen, uh, they went to court and, you know, and filed a, 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 a thing against the promoter. And, uh, and uh, we, we ended up being successfully, uh, successful as far as being uh, reimbursed for all of that. Let's, let's move on to something a little more cheery. <laughs> you've, won, you've won your fair share. Of, you, you've won your fair share of awards, um, right? What's that? I said you've won your fair share of awards. You got some Grammys. I've never won a Grammy. Never won a Grammy. 
No. I thought I read that somewhere. All right. No, I I mean, I was nominated for one, but I never, never, I've never even been to a Grammy show. I mean, uh, event, except for, you know, pre-Grammy events, but I I never won a Grammy. All right. Well, there's a, there's a travesty right there, but um, you did win a big award last year. You got inducted to the uh, Black Music Hall of Fame, right? That's correct. That was quite an honor. It was great. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that was Larry, very special. Larry inducted you, right? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was very special. It really was. Did you play at that, or it was just strictly the? Induction? No, I was just there to receive the award. You know, I mean, they had uh, other artists that were, you know, paying tribute. You know, and uh, um, in fact, my son was one of them. <laughs> he played always there. <laughs> Wow, that must have pulled at the heartstrings. It did, yeah. (laughs) So looking back, uh, Ronnie, what what are you most proud of accomplishing in your musical career? I think just longevity. You know, my mother used to say it's it's not the fastest, it's who lasts the longest, you know. And so you build your foundation brick, brick by brick, you know. And eventually the structure that you want is, 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 is there and it's solid, you know. So I think just longevity, just being, just continue to do what I'm doing and still have the fan base support that's so, so strong. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing, you know. And uh, so that's, that's what keeps me motivated, really. People like yourself, you know, who still, who, uh, you know, are supportive and, and interested in what I do. So, and I appreciate it and thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, Is there a track that's your favorite from all that you've done? Hmm. No, I can't can't, can't single anything out. I mean, that's something I'm I'm really proud of. I mean, mean, like uh, on Friends and Strangers, I think it's Thoughts and Memories. Thoughts and Memories in uh, uh, Every Generation. Um, Grace on the, on the Flame album. I know I'm missing a lot, you know, but always there for sure. Friends and Strangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you recorded that you thought was going to like be a hit and for whatever reason it, it did pan out? Yeah, there's a couple of tracks that I did on uh, Columbia. I did a remake of uh, uh, Junior Walker's What Does It Take? And uh, I was, you know, I was <clears throat> expecting a, a lot of airplay on that. If you go back and listen to that track, I mean, maybe you have a, you haven't, but it's, uh, I did a remake. But interestingly, at that time, Kenny G had uh, put out the, uh, the, the same uh, uh, cover with uh, featuring Lenny Williams. <laughs> and so for some reason, mine got buried. <laughs> A sure coincidence? True. I could be. Well, I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> you know? But, you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you, who knows, man? I'll leave it at that. Yeah. What would be your advice for uh, musicians like your son today? Stay committed, you know, and uh, uh, just keep perfecting your craft. 
because it will take care of you if you do that, you know. The money will come, everything else will come, you know, but just, you know, main, you know, uh, uh, maintain your, 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 uh, your, your drive and, and, your, and your, you know, your, your, your goal. And don't, don't be distracted. Because the easiest thing, particularly in today's environment, is to be distracted. You know, but you set a goal and you and you and you and you live with it you, you, and you stay with it. And so that's the advice because there will be rejection, there will be disappointments, but just stay true to your heart, and uh, eventually your things will be taken care of. What are you working on right now, and how can people keep up with you, and can they see you anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, <clears throat> I've some some dates down the road, and. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I have, I just finished a project and we're just scheduling, scheduling a release. It's on a label uh, that's distributed by uh, uh, Universal uh, Distributors. And uh, actually I have my own label, it's called Blue Tree. And I'm releasing it through that label and also releasing my son's project through that label. And uh, his, he has finished project. I, I mean, yeah, his thing is finished as well as mine. So. This is by Craig T. Cooper, yeah. by the way. And was, and, yeah. Uh, my son's uh, project was produced by Craig T. Cooper. And so, uh, you know, this is a lot of country, you know, some and, and me, I, yeah, and I was one of the co-producers of it, but I'm very, you know, it's a great project, you know, and uh, as well as my own. I'm, you know, I did a cover of uh, Jimmy Reed. Uh, I did the vocal and the horn of uh, 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 Take Out Some Insurance. Have you heard that? I haven't heard it. Jimmy Reed, yeah, and then there's uh, a couple of uh, the track I wrote called "On the Wall," W A L L, and it had nothing to do with the, the political thing. It was, <laughs> you know, but it, it, this is way before that that even happened. And uh, and then there's a track called "Solo," which I give a tribute to uh, John Coltrane and Miles. I mentioned them, you know, and it was as part of the lyrics. And Ella Fitzgerald, and, and uh, who else am I missing? Uh, yeah, so you know you'll 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 be it should be uh, released sometime in the uh, in the spring, you know, some April or May. And his project it should hit the uh, the stream in uh, in uh, late March. I mean, uh, early April. Fantastic! And you're yeah. going to hopefully do some more um, uh, shows too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm talking to you. I want you to let these people know what's going on, man. Yeah. Yeah, let so, them know what's going on. Just let them know it's not me. <laughs> Just tell them I'm waiting on the call, you know? I mean, uh, you know, none of us are too wealthy. Well, you know, we don't need to work anymore. You know, it's like, you know, in, uh, you know, as you live each day, you, you got things you have to take care of, you know? So, and I want my fan base to know that, you know, so, the, you know, let them know it's not that I don't want to perform. It's that, you know, it's uh, I'm just, you know, dealing with the uh, the, the situation with uh, what's going on today. You know, well, bring Hopefully. it on out to the Carolinas. I will. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah. How, how can how can they keep up with you? Uh, you have a website or I have a website. They can, you know, um, um, Facebook, like you, how you contact me and uh, messenger or whatever you know so uh then i, I mean i have posted on on my on my website my contact information so it should be very easy you know to get in touch with me 
Outstanding. I'm so glad to hear you have new music coming. That's Absolutely. always a treat. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, on behalf of all the viewers and listeners, I want to thank you for all the great music you've given us all these years and for continuing to do it. And, uh, you know, it's been a thrill to talk to you and I just wish you ongoing success and more opportunities to, to play for the people. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate those sentiments. I really do. All right. Take good care. Thank you, Ronnie. You too, man. Okay. You take care. Okay. Hey, and we're back. Can you just imagine growing up with an older, talented musical brother like Hubert Laws and also having the Crusaders, Wayne Henderson, Joe Sample, and Wilton Felder as neighbors? And then he was on stage playing his saxophone with Kenny Rogers at age 12. I love that and also loved how he emphasized sticking to his musical principles. And of course, I've always loved Ronnie Law's playing and material. Aren't we fortunate he's still at it? One more time, a big thanks to him for spending the time and sharing his life story with truth and rhythm. Also, a big thank you to you, the viewers and supporters of this program. If you haven't already subscribed, do so on YouTube. Sign up for the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. Tell friends, tell family, we need that support. Show these producers of great funk, jazz, and soul music that you support and love what they do. Show that you love it as much as I do, and I know you do. Speaking of which, I want to hear from you. So write me uh, through email at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know what's on your musical mind, who else you'd like to see on the show, and any other thoughts you might have. I will respond back. Also, want to remind people to catch up with past episodes of Truth and Rhythm on YouTube at funkinstuff.net and through the audio only podcast version on iTunes and through other leading providers. And so, with that, the good word is as always, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. <laughs>